Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. It's June 19th, 2018. I'm Charlie Sykes, joined by Michael Warren of The Weekly Standard. Thanks for joining me, Michael. Thanks for having me, Charlie. So tell me something that I don't know today. Oh, well, I think, you know, that actually this is going to shock you, Charlie, uh, that things regarding the border and family separation and immigration are actually a little more complicated than either the president or uh, the, the sort of left-leaning media uh, would tell you. I know that's shocking. That's going to shock you to your core that things might be more complex and worthy of discussion than, than simply uh, easy answers. But You know, I'm, I'm really glad you said that because obviously this, this is an issue that's being driven by photographs and by audio tapes, which are quite dramatic. And, and, I, and I do think... Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of, I, I think, legitimate outrage. But let's spend some time just talking about the complexity of this issue, because, you know, despite the misinformation and the flat out, you know, I would say, you know, lies from the administration about it. The reality is that there are there are a lot of layers here, aren't there? Yes. And so I think we should we should get out of the way at the very beginning here and say exactly what Trump is doing and why I think most people who are actually paying attention find it so abhorrent. Uh, they made a policy decision. Um, you know, there's a lot of prosecutorial discretion in, in the way that governments uh, prosecute crimes. They've made a decision that they will break from recent uh, uh, the, the recent discretion uh, regime and separate families uh, uh, you know, who cross the border illegally, who are apprehended, uh, not at ports of entry, not anywhere else where there's a legal process for seeking asylum, say, but people who cross the border, you know, over the Rio Grande somewhere, they're caught, they're going to separate kids from their parents, put the kids, we've all seen the the, the, the cages that they're put in. Um, and this is, I think, you know, this is something that the Bush administration and the Obama administration before were unwilling to do. And in fact, President Trump, when this was first raised last year, was unwilling to do for a very good reason, which is that it's just simply inhumane. You listen to that audio of those kids crying. And I mean, I just, it, 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 is, it is something that is um, just uh, it's terrible to think about. And you add uh, the layers of the, the language barrier, um, the, 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 the fact that these kids, you know, are, are simply with their parents that, you know, their parents have committed crimes. Um, but but those those kids um, don't deserve to be uh, ripped away from their parents without the, any the, knowledge. The crimes, the, the crimes are generally misdemeanors. And, and of course, for first entry. Yes. Yes, and and particularly when you're talking about the 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 asylum seekers. Now, the the, the counter argument would would run this way, which is that the 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 policy of actually separating people arrested and charged from their children that in itself is not new. What's new? I mean, right? I mean, this happened. I mean, if if you if you're across the border and you are arrested for a crime, um, you are going to be separated from your child either under the Obama administration or under the Bush administration, correct? I mean, that, that part is, in fact, not new. What's new are the number of people who are actually arrested, this, this zero policy, this zero tolerance policy. Right. This is sort of an outgrowth of uh, the full zero tolerance policy, which is 
again, a part of what's on the books for the law, but uh, the the past administrations have not uh, chosen to prosecute. There's also a a sort of wrinkle in this, which is the uh, which is the asylum seeking. Look, a, a normal the normal way it would happen is you cross the border with your with your kids illegally, say for the first time. It's a misdemeanor. Um, the process ought to work uh, in this way. You're um, you can usually go through. Uh, the court procedure. There's a big problem, we should say, with uh, lack of judges, and 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 these things ought to be more expedited. And in fact, Ted Cruz has a has a proposal. Uh, maybe we can talk about it more. I do want to talk. Yeah, about that that, yeah. that 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 suggests putting more judges down there. I think that's a great idea. Um, but that that is a sort of a day long process, and in the end, you're likely to just be sent back to well Mexico which is almost always where these crossings are happening not not so much in Canada and your kids of course you have your kids with you when you go back um, the the where the where you're seeing a lot of this sort of uh, they're saying 2000 maybe and maybe more kids uh, being locked up here uh, have to do with these uh, attempts to seek asylum. Again, a seek asylum after you're, uh, uh, after you're apprehended for an illegal border crossing, not when you seek asylum the legal way, going through a port of entry at, say, uh, Laredo or, or one of these other ports of entry, um, but doing it, uh, basically making the claim, uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I was crossing because I'm seeking asylum because I can't go back to my home country. Well, that sort of enters you into a system that is a little more arduous. Uh, and then there is this sort of practical question. Well, what are you supposed to do with the kids uh, right. who are there? And I think that is a question that um, the, the Trump administration's answer to it is not the right one. Um, but – the, the I think the, I think there is this 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 push from the left that um, is a sort of obfuscating um, who exactly these kids are that they're they're making it seem as if it's all kids who come with their parents who who, who cross the border um, uh, and also um, they're not really sort of addressing what I think are some big issues some big problems with the sort of broader immigration regime that we have and just suggesting that ultimately well if they cross the border especially with their kids they should just Come on in here. I think there's 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 sort of a wide gulf of reasonable policy that that really not to sound like a whataboutist, but or or sort of a both sideist here, uh, but that really nobody is sort of uh, addressing or wants to come together and try to find a solution because guess what, Charlie? It's really hard. Immigration's a hard it issue. Well, and, and let's, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, and this is, sort of runs against my, my normal um, uh, inclinations to, to try to understand what Stephen Miller and the other Trumpists are saying. They're, they of course, arguing that the, the predecessor, the catch and release policy, which basically said if you come with a kid, this is your get out of jail free card, that that is inherently un, um, unjust, that, that what had happened is people began to realize that if you show up with a kid – you will not, in fact, be incarcerated. That basically is going to exempt you from the law. And apparently in an interview with a New York Times reporter, he said, well, imagine if you apply that to uh, other uh, other laws, you know, that that, uh, for example, a drunk driver uh, could not be arrested if there was a child in the car. Not only would that be, um, you know, unlawful, uh, un- unjust, but but it would actually enhance and uh, in- encourage child endangerment that you actually then use the child to, um, to, to, to avoid criminal responsibility, which might incentivize people to put children in riskier situations, such as, for example, crossing the southern border. So you even have Stephen Miller apparently arguing that there's somehow that this is somehow humanitarian. 
Yeah, well, that's some sort of convoluted logic right. by by the Stephen Millers of the world. Um, I mean, but I mean, you you can kind of you you can see what he's saying there. Um, it's not. It's I, I would say it's not insane. Except I do think that there is a there is a sort of categorical difference between the crime of drunk driving or child endangerment by um, you know I don't know uh, uh, any any sort of thing having having you know strange uh, boyfriends in the house in a single mom's house or whatever you know I mean all the sorts of potential crimes that puts a child in danger and this question I mean I think in a weird way uh, the illegal immigration the, the crossing of the border is sort of its own special category first of all you're talking about it's a federal issue um, uh, it, it has sort of fundamentally to do uh, with um, the, the the crime itself is is not uh, uh, at its core about endangering the child. In fact, it's, it's about uh, hopefully what they're trying to do is take a, bring the child into some place where um, they're better off. They're they're not going to be you know recruited into a gang in one of these Central American countries uh, or or you know having to face violence uh, in those countries. So. Um, it's 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 one of these things where I think that 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 analogy uh, uh, kind of falls apart. But the the point is uh, that I think they are trying to make, and the problem is as well, uh, Charlie, is that the administration has about thirty different explanations for this policy right. and why they're approaching it. But the catch and release, for lack of a better term, that's what that's what it's, mm-hmm. uh, the vernacular is. Um, I think it, it it is a problem. There are some sort of infrastructure problems with the immigration and and, and border patrol and ICE um, that aren't really uh, that that need to be addressed and aren't being addressed. Um, and and I do think it's important for um, for people who are sort of angry and, and outraged, which they ought to be about this policy, to also realize that there um, there needs to be some kind of change. And when you actually have a, a, a lack of consensus or a lack of seriousness about addressing this, um, not to reduce this all, but it is in a way how you get Trump, right? Like it gives a vacuum, a policy vacuum well, exactly. for people you, like Stephen you, Miller. You get this extreme binary choice. That's right. And it shouldn't be and it ought not be. Um, but but this is this is kind of where we end up. But I, I will say this one more thing about this, Charlie, which is I do think the Trump administration um, in, in these various explanations, are, they're, they're being totally disingenuous, um, you know, when they say that, oh, this is the Democrats fault because the Democrats are holding up this particular border uh, uh, bill and all these things. Um, uh, uh, on immigration, or um, you know that this is actually the this was the law of the land uh, during o- the Obama administration. Nobody nobody made uh, a fuss about that. All these different explanations. I think um, it, what it all boils down to is Stephen Miller um, is very powerful and influential. I don't want to give him too much credit here, but he is influential. I, I know this for a fact this, yeah. in this White House. He is driving this. Um, for him, this is a political win. I don't agree with it, but this is how he views okay, this well, I issue. Want, I, want, I want to come back to this because, you know, the, the, the explanation of how complex this is, is is very valuable. And these dilemmas, these there's no good option, has been in front of previous presidents. And they have looked at this and decided that, that you know, that there's no ideal solution. But the worst thing you would do is what we're doing right now. That that in fact, okay, if we did, you know, arrest everybody and then separate the children and then put them into these uh, these detention places, that that would be a humanitarian disaster. Or the Obama folks would say that's not who we are, and yet the Trump administration decided to do it. And we know that uh, John Kelly was talking about doing this. Gave an interview last year suggesting that he was considering doing this. 
very specifically as deterrence. And, and let's just talk about this because the the uh, uh, the Homeland Security Secretary uh, Kirsten Nielsen, whose performance was, I think, pretty awful yesterday, yes. thought that it was offensive to being asked about this. But this is really there, there, it strikes me, and I think you touched on this, that there are two main motivations here. That number one, you know, Stephen Miller and Donald Trump will always go for the harshest possible solution, and so they decided that this would make be a good deterrent. This would be so horrible. This would be so cruel that it would deter people from coming. And secondly, they do see this as a political win. Even though the polling is awful right now, they appear to be doubling down on believing that they have an issue that will, in fact, motivate and rile up the base. Well, there's not much else right now motivating uh, uh, Republicans to come out and vote in, in, in November. So perhaps in a narrow sense, they are correct about this. Um, if you listen to the language, and I, I've been listening to Stephen Miller since he used to call my office phone uh, back when he was a, a Senate aide to, to Jeff Sessions um, uh, during the gang of, uh, uh, what was it? The gang of eight gang discussions of eight, in 2012, yeah. 2013. Wow. Um, it is perpetually a crisis what's happening at the border. And I think this probably hurts our ability to, again, talk about this issue like adults and try to come up with solutions. That it's not only a crisis of sort of a constant stream of illegal immigrants coming across the border that is just taking over the country, um, but also that that nefarious actors within the government, within the Senate and, and, and the House, and, and even within the administration when it was the Obama administration, um, are, are trying to stop this and trying to create a new country. Um, look, the United States is a big country, and I'm not denying that illegal immigration across the southern border is a big problem that needs to be addressed. But I think the language of crisis, that you heard this from the president yesterday, where he said, you know, we will not become a refugee camp. Um, it, in a weird way, conflating what I think was much more of a was a undoubtedly a crisis in Europe when you had Syrians and not so many Syrian, you know, so-called Syrians uh, well, that's, flooding that's into the Europe. Image that he obviously was trying to create. That's right, but uh, I don't think that's the. I mean, I think it's comparing apples and oranges to what's happening uh, in the United States uh, with uh, uh, southern border crossings and what was happening in Europe. But the president, I, I think, has has melded those two, has conflated those two. And Stephen Miller uh, is in, in, in his ilk, I think, are only happy to play to that idea. Um, it's a man. I think it's a difficult problem, but it's not an unmanageable yeah. problem, well, and it's talk, not a crisis. Let's talk about the, let's talk about the language here, because the language uh, is escalating. And um, I, I saw that uh, uh, Jonah Goldberg tweeted out a little bit earlier that you know his hot take was that these detention centers are better than Auschwitz, and they're much worse than summer camps. It's amazing what gets you labeled centrist these days. <laughs> that we get the okay, we have Laura Ingram on Fox saying it's like summer camp, which is, you know, you want to slam your head on the desk listening to that. I, I, did, did Bill Crystal tweet out that Trumpism corrupts, but uh, apparently you know, Fox News primetime shows corrupt absolutely to <laughs> compare these to summer camps. On the other hand, it's not necessarily helpful to go all the way to Auschwitz for all of this. This is where you do need to take a breath and go, OK, this is awful, but you don't have to go. You don't have to go to you don't have to go full Hitler every time um, somebody crosses the line. This is this is the this is the rule that is always seems to apply when it comes to the internet, and I do think that the internet. We've talked about this on this podcast, Charlie. The way the internet and and social media and and, and cable news to a certain extent just sort of turn up 
everything to eleven uh, to this to to I, because I think it, it it we we sort of we we can't uh, appreciate nuance in these discussions when it's online when it's you know the cliche two hundred and seventy characters on Twitter. Um, nuance, there's not, not, not much. Yeah, you're 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 right. I mean, uh, you know, one of the things that Trumpism has done is it it, it has bludgeoned new nuance. I mean, the use of language to erase any sort of a nuance. Now, of course, the president, you mentioned Twitter, is using the word infest, infest being the word of the, the day uh, where he's basically saying, you know, the illegals coming in, uh, you know, de- the Democrats are the problem. They don't care about crime. Uh, these people are going to come in. They're going to infest the country like, you know, apparently like cockroaches. Um People are, of course, comparing this to his uh, to his, you know, much, I think, out of context comment about animals. But he mentions the word infest before getting to MS-13. So if anything, it sounds to me like the rhetoric is is ramping up and that this is this this is the this is the hill they're willing to die on. Yes, I. But I, I do wonder. I mean, if we can get a little um, philosophical here, I don't know if it's Trumpism that has 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 accelerated this, or if this was happening in our culture already, where everything is turned up to eleven, and 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 Trump and the kind of Trumpism around it is a is a reflection of of that change. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the stuff like using the word infest is. I mean, it in on so many levels, it's so it's so creepy because you are talking about human beings um and uh and 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 but in a in a way it, it's it's as if it's it's the sort of this vicious cycle and you don't want to place bl- no, you don't want right. to place blame on anybody on, on on anybody because i think everybody's sort of to blame here well, I'm, I'm willing to place blame I'm, go I'm, ahead I'm, and place blame I'll then. Do it. no 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 go ahead no no, <laughs> no well i, I i'm just right. I, I mean trump trumpism is is a symptom of something rather than just a cause maybe it's the logical outcome of the fact that we have been, you know, bludgeoning nuance for so many you know, years. Right. That, that if you were in favor of, you know, the gang of eight, you know, very complicated compromise, you were in favor of amnesty. It was either amnesty or wall. Amnesty or wall, nothing in between was acceptable. Right. And I think and, you're right about that. And, and 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 look, you can go back to say uh, the Bush administration and say, you know, um, Bush was a Bush and Cheney were war criminals, you know, and they need to be brought up uh, by on crimes by, at at the Hague. My point is that I, I, it's it's there's no use in sort of pointing to an origin and saying uh, this is where it all started. and It was this side that went too far. Um, it just seems to be building on on top of each other, and it encourages people uh, to, to sort of make. Auschwitz uh, comparisons when it's really not apt uh, and to make infestation comments, um, which I think is sort of this creepy idea that sort of has lurked on the uh, outskirts of kind of the the right wing uh, racist uh, uh, dark web, if you will, that is that is disconcertingly kind of creeping into uh, regular rhetoric. You know, and this is the kind of thing that, you know, the left has been saying for some time, but you're right, it is, it is, it is cringeworthy stuff because it does seem designed to dehumanize and, you know, to dehumanize certain people that you've decided to treat badly. Uh, You uh, undoubtedly have seen the Wall Street Journal this, uh, this morning, the Wall Street Journal editorial board, the GOP's immigration meltdown. Are Republicans trying to lose their majorities in Congress this November? We assume not, but you can't tell from the party's internal feuding over immigration that is fast becoming an election year nightmare 
over separating immigrant children from their parents. This is what happens when restrictionists have veto power over GOP policy. So give me your your sense. Um, the president is going to be meeting with uh, House Republicans. Uh, my guess he's going to be getting um, a standing ovation. But are are folks on the Hill seeing this as an election year nightmare? Folks in the White House apparently are not. Uh I think they're playing. They're all playing a wait and see. I, I, I think everyone on the Hill has kind of no idea where this is going, <laughs> which is a, a sort of standard operating procedure for the entire Trump era for Republicans on the Hill. Um, they, they, they I mean, I, the primaries are kind of winding down here, so there's a sense that um, uh, okay, well now, now we're really gearing up for uh, the, these midterms. Um, mm-hmm. We're sort of past trying to appeal to the Republican base here, uh, how is this really going to look in a general election? And there's so many different indicators going in different directions. Um, you know, Democrats have yeah. kind of uh, maintained now a seven-point advantage in uh, the congressional ballot. It's not as good for the Democrats as it was. Um, the president's approval ratings are actually uh, pretty good right now, um, depending on who you look at. Um, they're at they're at near highs uh, for him. For him, but yeah. but but of course we, we haven't factored into uh, that all of this, all of what's happening on the border. Um, I think Republicans have to be worried uh, because of these images of how it plays with what I think are the swing group of voters in 2018, which are suburban women. Yeah, I, and I can't imagine these pictures will work. Um, the other issue that um, has generated a huge amount of uncertainty, of course, is the gr- growing possibility or reality or scope of the trade war with China. I want to get to that in just a moment, uh, Michael. But first, uh, today's Daily Standard podcast is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Now, I want people to listen to this because, yes, you are being tracked. You know that, right? Mobile carriers, Internet service providers, and potentially hackers all have access to your web history and your Internet data. So how can ExpressVPN help? ExpressVPN encrypts your traffic and sensitive data while masking your IP address, concealing your online activity from everyone. ExpressVPN is the world's leading VPN provider, lets you privately and securely use the Internet at blazing fast speeds without being tracked by anyone. Look, with all the news lately about data hacks and breaches, it's hard for me, actually for anybody, not to worry about digital privacy. I mean, no matter what you do online, your mobile carrier carrier. And your Internet service provider are tracking it all. Comcast, Verizon, Time Warner, the list goes on. Companies like these have a track record of every single thing you have done. Have I got your attention yet? <laughs> every website you visit, every email you sent, it's actually ridiculous. So that's why I decided to take back my privacy by using ExpressVPN. These days, I don't use the Internet without it. I wrote a book uh, years ago about the, the end of privacy and afterwards kind of concluded, that, you know what? It's a lost cause. There's nothing you can do about it. People don't care, but people do care and Everything I described has gotten worse, but there's also solutions for it. So with ExpressVPN, my internet data is encrypted. My IP address is hidden. It costs less than 7 bucks a month, and it's rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and dozens of expert reviewers. It is easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of my computer, phone, and tablet. Turning on ExpressVPN protection only takes one click. No matter what you do online, Whether you have something to hide or think you do or just want to be private, ExpressVPN is for you. Now, if you're on unsecure Wi-Fi 
and you want to keep hackers and spies from seeing your data, ExpressVPN is for you. If you don't want to provide providers like Verizon recording, if you don't want them recording your entire online history and then selling it to the entire world, ExpressVPN is for you. So here's the deal. Take back your internet privacy today and find out how you can get three months free. Go to expressvpn.com slash standard. That's expressvpn.com slash standard for three months free with a one-year package. Every day you use the internet without ExpressVPN, you are putting sensitive information at risk. Don't put this off. Protect your online data with ExpressVPN today. Visit expressvpn.com standard to learn more. That stuff is scary, but probably not as scary as we realize. <laughs> so, Michael Warren, tell me where we're at on a trade war overnight. Uh, the president suggesting that he uh, might slap uh, tariffs on another $200 billion worth of Chinese goods. Um, that number seems to have been selected because he thinks that the Chinese won't be able to retaliate tit for tat, but there's a lot of things the Chinese can do to make life uncomfortable for American businesses. A lot of American businesses invested in China, doing business with China, uh, have big plans for China. Uh, so give me some sense of where you're at. Have we gone from a low-grade trade war to on the brink of a full-fledged trade war? Yeah, I mean, to paraphrase the president himself, we, we've been in a trade war. Um, I think these things, of course, aren't aren't like uh, uh, military-led uh, wars where there's a, a shot and everybody kind of uh, starts fighting. They're a little, they kind of sneak up on you, but um, there's some, been some pretty big bombs dropped here. I think uh, that we're in the midst of it. What we're seeing, uh, I think there's a lot to be concerned about uh, with regard to Chinese retaliation that, again, is not is not necessarily uh, uh, driven by tariffs. Um, all the things that in this administration's own uh, U.S. Trade Representative's office has identified um, other uh, aspects of uh, the, the Chinese trade regime where they uh, essentially um, uh, steal intellectual property, um, do other, uh, other sorts of cheating, um, that's going to get ramped up here. And I think that there's um, – Despite the president's claim that these things are easy to win, um, I don't know if we're going to be uh, uh, out of it anytime soon. Um, I think that there is, uh, unlike with the aluminum and steel tariffs, there is reason to take action against China. I think there is all the evidence in the world that China deserves uh, to uh, to get a more than just a slap on the wrist, that they've been uh, acting uh, as uh, bad trade partners uh, for a long time. But the, the, the sort of use of the tariff uh, is the only tool in the president's belt um, is, uh, is, is ultimately, I think, going to be counterproductive. And it'll be interesting to see how uh, domestically then uh, politically uh, people, including Republicans, uh, respond as these as this trade war continues to heat up. Yeah, I, I saw a collection of uh, or maybe somebody tweeted out a collection of articles from around the country, mainly from uh, from, from the heartland of uh, of newspapers recounting the the fallout already uh, for businesses, for farmers um, from from the from these tariffs and 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 I think there's there's some growing anxiety about all of this and of course you know this is the one concern is that the economy is just roaring along it is doing incredibly well um, the one cloud right now would be if in fact we 
we entered into a trade war that began to suppress that uh, that economic growth. I mean, that is the cushion that Donald Trump is enjoying right now. And of course, that's what Republicans want to run on in the midterms. They they, they don't want to run on kids in cages. Uh, they want to run on tax cuts. They want to run on the stock market, the unemployment rate. Uh, so, you know, I, you know, the other thing that I don't fully understand, and maybe you can help explain this to me, is today Kim Jong-un is in China. He's meeting with the Chinese to talk about uh, his summit with the president. Wouldn't this be the moment where we would want the Chinese to be the most friendly to us or the most cooperative in terms of that agenda? I mean, it seems that there's some real dissonance between sitting down with Kim Jong-un and all of the hopes and expectations that the president has for those negotiations. He's obviously still a client of the Chinese, and yet we are just totally ramping up our economic attacks on the Chinese at this moment. There's this uh, tendency within the Trump administration and the president himself to compartmentalize, um, to say that, well, this is uh, a trade, an economic issue, uh, and this is a national security issue or a foreign policy issue. And and so the Chinese, he always says, you know, sort of President Xi or the Chinese, they understand um, the, the, the difference. But I think you're right, Charlie. I mean, I think that for most everybody else, um, these things are not uh, in, in separate compartments. It's interesting to see, even on this trade issue, there's this um, question. You mentioned uh, the president meeting with, with House Republicans. He's got another meeting with Senate uh, uh, members uh, on Wednesday. Um, is this question of ZTE, the, the big Chinese oh, teleco- yeah. uh, telecom firm, um, that the, the president essentially and Wilbur Ross, the Commerce Secretary, want to um, uh, give a break from American uh, uh, sanctions on? Um, and, uh, and there's a lot of pushback, uh, even from a lot of the president's allies in the Senate, uh, on this particular issue. And what I was told today, talking with somebody over on Capitol Hill, is that uh, the, the administration tends to sort of compartmentalize on that issue. Well, ZT is separate from these sort of uh, where, where the administration agrees on sort of more broad uh, telecom actions against uh, China. And then these are really important. In fact, uh, uh, many of the uh, president's allies and Democrats both agree on these things. But of course, if they're going to be taking broad actions against Chinese telecom industry, ZTE is one of like two or three big Chinese telecom uh, companies. And and you can't compartmentalize. I think that's a perfect example of the way um, uh, I think Trump sort of waves away uh, these concerns, uh, but it, it, re- it really doesn't reflect the reality of how uh, certainly the Chinese uh, are going to be interpreting uh, these particular actions. And the, 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 the willingness of Republicans in the Senate to push back on ZTE was really striking. I mean, it did not appear to be a, a close call for them whatsoever. And there's no way to interpret it other than as a rebuke to the administration's policies. That's right. And um, they've what they've done is they've attached um, this language to the National uh, Defense Authorization Act, mm-hmm. um, the, 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 in the big bill that essentially funds all of our military. Um, Which passes like 85 to 10 and then goes to the conference committee, right? That's right. So the question is the conference committee, the House. This language is not in the House version. Um, and the president, of course, is meeting with House Republicans. I, I think that that is a big question of whether or not Trump is really serious about uh, uh, relief 
relieving ZTE of these sanctions or whether he views it as a bargaining chip. And maybe he's willing to say to the Chinese, hey, look, uh, you know, I, I did what I could. But, the, you know, the American people, the Congress have spoken uh, and, uh, you know, uh, we can't do anything uh, about this. So that's a big question mark because nobody really knows what the president's real true views on it are. Yeah, that that of course is is the problem. Okay, we got a couple of minutes here. Uh, you and I had, were briefly talking about a a viral video from of all places France that I thought was awfully interesting. Um, just set, set the scene. The president of France, Emmanuel Macron, is uh, it, you know it, it has has a conversation with a teenager in France. Tell me about it. Right. So this is a uh, at an event I believe yesterday. Um, in France, or maybe it was this morning, uh, celebrating Charles de Gaulle, some patriotic event. The French are actually very good at uh, at sort of celebrating uh, themselves as a country. It's a very uh, uh, fascinating uh, culture over there. And he's doing the rope line with a bunch of young people and a young man. Um, and uh, forgive my French uh, uh, here on this, Charlie, but he says, ça uh, va, Manu, which uh, is essentially, what's up, Manu, which is Emmanuel Macron's nickname. And uh, you can tell there's kind of a grin on his face. Maybe he was put up to it by his buddies. Um, this would be like saying, hey, Donnie. Yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. And uh, and Macron sort of stops in the middle of all of this and kind of gives him a talking to and says, um, you know, you can refer to me as the president of the republic or as Mr. Um, uh, but, you know, this is a patriotic event um, and sort of gives him a, a, a dad like uh, a, a talking to about respect and manners. And you're why I, I was watching the video. I was struck by this. Maybe I'm the only one. Um, uh, uh, the way that the boy sort of was brought up short and he was listening to this male authority figure, give him a sort of quick lesson. It wasn't, uh, it was stern, but it wasn't angry or furious. And, uh, and he seemed to listen, uh, at least it looked like he was listening and he apologized. And Macron said, essentially, you know, um, you may want to lead a revolution one day, but, uh, you still have to go to school and you still have to, uh, uh, sort of, um, uh, do well in life, uh, and, 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 and all these sorts of things. And I thought it was a it was an interesting, uh, unexpected moment, um, and uh, it's definitely something that's going to stay with this kid for the rest of his life. I just thought it was uh, it was one of those things that we don't see a lot of, um, certainly in, 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 in culture these days, of kind of male authority figures actually uh, uh, standing up for manners. And, exactly. It, it was nice. It was nice. I, I like Macron. Really do that. Now, it, it's always dangerous to, to, to generalize, but, you know— uh, uh, as as I mentioned to you before we started this podcast, you know my grandkids are French, and one of the things I'm struck by is 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 how polite and how respectful French children are raised to be. That there's a there is a real cultural difference. Now I'm sure that there are exceptions to that. I'm sure there are many you know polite and respectful American kids. I'm not denying that, and I'm sure there's some you know complete jerks uh, in 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 France. But there is. There is an emphasis on teaching that kind of respect and for the president to be willing to do that um, and, and for the the kid, the teenager, you know, not to roll his eyes and sneer, but but to recognize that this was a legitimate point. Um, that was a reassuring moment. Michael Warren, uh, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it very, very much. And thank you for listening to the Daily Standard podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll do this all over again.